Red Kite Prayer is hosting its first-ever event October 12th through 14th, 2018, the Red Kite Rendezvous. The two-and-a-half-day event will feature bikes from some of the industry's top frame builders, two gravel rides, some of the world's finest craft beers, which are brewed locally, plus enough food to make the pedaling fun. For more information or to register, go to redkiteprayer.com backslash store. The Pace Line is supported by LEL Cycling. The coast is calling. LEL's shore collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LEL products are crafted in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now, on to the show. From Red Kite Prayer, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Celine Yeager, a.k.a. The Fit Chick from Bicycling Magazine. Each week, we take a look at different facets of how cycling fits into our lives. How goes it, Celine? It is going quite well. How are you, Patrick? Ah, I'm uh, I'm breathing better. I'm back at sea level and really enjoying that. Uh, I spent the weekend up in Denver. Well, actually, up way up in the mountains and then part of the week in Denver. Um, <laughs> I like oxygen. I really like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. We have, a, we have a lot of oxygen here where I am. It, it's uh, maybe you just feel the oxygen more because it's filled with things like water and <laughs> pollen. <laughs> Our oxygen is like a, a very, it's a force of, it's interesting. It's very hot here, Patrick. Uh, it sounds it sounds like you're ready maybe for the summer to be over. You know, I love I love summer. It it's it's when summer starts, it's one of my favorite seasons. Yeah. But by August, it's like uh it's like a kid that's ready to go to college and it's acting up and it's rebellious and it's making you hate it, so you just want it out the door. <laughs> that's kinda it's kinda how I'm feeling about that's how August is on in the Northeast. It's just like, okay, you know what? I, I'm not gonna miss you, just leave. Just go. <laughs> just you know, just go ahead and go. I'll help you. Pat. And then I feel all sad. Right, right, right. And then when it is gone and I'm putting on arm warmers, I'm like, where did summer go? But um yeah, I mean I, I at this point of the summer I'm like, okay, some crisp fall air would not be a terrible thing. Because it gets oppressive. I mean, you know, it, it's just yeah. So, but, but but anyway, yes, oxygen. You you were talking about oxygen, and and you were close to. Is that close to Leadville territory yeah. where you were at Copper? I, I make okay. Uh, the that, course, that's high. That's high. Yeah, turns out it is. Uh, yeah, you make a right turn just as the highway you're on is re- ready to enter Leadville. Uh, okay. Past okay. like I, know I don't is. know half a kilometer from Floyd's of Leadville, center of town. Are there. There must have been people already there, right? Yeah. Going in for Leadville. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I bumped into a guy. And people at the do airport. stay in Copper. Uh, I don't, I guess maybe, yeah. It's only about a 20 minute yeah, drive. Yeah, I know they do because Leadville is so tiny that I know that there's spillover into Copper that people stay there too. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. There yeah. was a, a guy, where was, it? oh, not the airport at the rental car place, just outside of the airport. I was, I saw the helmet and the bike and I was like, oh, headed up for a Copper Triangle. And he's like, no, Leadville. 
was like, oh, yeah. he was French. You can tell, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh. I thought you were going to say he was uptight, and because you can tell, like, the Leadville people have another, they're a little, probably a little more uptight than the people going to Copper, I bet. It was a, triangle. it was a, I can't speak to Leadville and, and uptightness. Um, certainly that's a level of ambition that was not present at the event I was at. Everybody was really chill. Uh, people were just absolutely lovely. And what a fantastic event. Um, we'll get to that. My, my poll has, cool, has something cool. to do with that. Uh, why don't we right, roll with yours? Why don't we roll with ours? Because uh, mine, is, mine is not related to oxygen or Leadville or any of that stuff. Um, it actually takes place in Cape Cod in its own little way. Hmm. But so, yeah, let me back up. So... Last time I was at my in-laws, it was just a couple weeks ago, uh, we were having a nice dinner. It was some kind of roast, some herb potatoes, some salad, some wine, some beer. You, you know, you got the picture. It's yeah. weekend dinner with the in-laws. We're having what I thought was a pretty nice conversation when it turned to, I hate cyclists. Whoop. Now, yeah, you know, that, that always, being that my husband and I are avid super life cyclists, that it's a little lead balloon over the table kind of thing. But... So my in-laws are rather unfond of cyclists. This, this I know, and it's not new. And despite the fact that my father-in-law used to ride actually pretty frequently, I think might have even called himself a cyclist, he has become particularly hostile to them. Um, I think we were talking about dogs at the time. They have a fairly new poodle. His name is James. They like to walk said poodle down at the Cape Cod Canal, which is like this long stretch of pavement that runs the length of the canal. Um... And anytime they go down there, which is usually in the evenings, they will inevitably ride, run into cyclists who are sometimes riding pace lines, sometimes riding by themselves. Uh, cyclists, according to my father-in-law, are supposed to travel at 10 miles per hour, as you know, that's not very fast. And I'm sure that none of them are. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> um, there used to be this giant LED billboard, you know, at the... the the head of the, the canal pass saying, you know, cyclists slow down, alert pedestrians. Maybe it's still there. Anyway, to hear their side, everyone is buzzing by them at mock speed. No one is warning them. And whenever he talks to us, we hear about it, including at dinner. You know, so he's passing me the roast beef and he sort of growls. I was going to say if you'd write about aggressive writers who disrespect the pedestrian laws next time you write something about cycling. And I was just like, I, uh, I just put on my selective deafness ears and <laughs> just smiled and said nothing. <laughs> you know, my husband was like, he just muttered something. And just I just felt like it was better just to shepherd the conversation along because I knew there would be no... There was no good answer. There never is a good answer. So it's best to give him the first and last word on the topic, always. Um, but I wanted to say, and I, it, I, yes, cyclists can be rude. They can yep. be inconsiderate. Uh, yep. They can be so laser focused on holding their FTP for that last 40 seconds of their interval. <laughs> they don't give a flying fig if there's a family of five <laughs> in their line of travel. You know, I know. I've seen it. I'm, I've been I've been sort of in the mix of it and, and been you know, a little mortified on my end oh, yeah. about it because it's, it's, I, you know, that canal pass not super wide and it really isn't made to do uh, fast paced lines or to, or to get your intervals in. I mean, it's just really not designed mm -hmm. if there's people in your way. I mean, you know, if, if it's wide open, go for it. Um, but that, you know, that also got me thinking 
I I often ride at this parkway down by me, which is filled with both cyclists and um, people walking dogs and all that kind of stuff. And I've noticed that pedestrians can be tricky to alert. Like, I've tried bells. I've tried saying, good morning. You know, and I've tried saying nothing and actually leaving the path and riding off way into the grass to get around them so they don't. I've tried slowing down to near a standstill, and no matter what they do, or no matter what I do, I still have people who will jump out of their skin. Yep. Like, like you're a rattlesnake. Like I don't even know. Yes, or, or you know, they'll give me this dirty look, or they won't answer when I say hello, even though I'm like now doing a track stand. You know, giving them plenty of time to. Yep. And I, I, I just people on bikes seem very jarring or annoying to certain people on foot, no matter what. You do. Yep. Um, you know, and he, my father-in-law, and like some people where I'm at, they, he has his poodle on one of those giant clothesline leads. Oh, God. So I would have to yell, exactly, I would have to yell from space, actually, to give <laughs> enough time, you know, for him to, like, turn around, register me, reel the poodle in. I mean, it's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and I'm sure the whole thing is not pleasant for anyone involved, right? So, but, so what is... And I know this is not isolated. I mean, there are pathletes and pedestrians and people trying to ride responsibly and people sharing these these multi-use pathways. And there are going to be more of them, you know, mm-hmm. as, as mm-hmm. we go forward and, and more people are taking to this form of transportation. Um, what's the solution? You know, like, have you – do you ride these things? Do you, do you have a trick to negotiating them or do you just avoid them? I'm I'm on bike paths. Uh, you know that that's a thing that happens in my life. Yeah, the easiest way. So I live on what is the eastern side of Santa Rosa, and okay. the best way to get to West County to get out of Santa Rosa, so you can ride out west toward Occidental and Sebastopol, Forestville, all that. The best way to do it is on the Santa Rosa Creek bike path or the Joe Rodota Trail. We've got two different bike paths that head west. And so, you know, unless you like stoplights and cars, you're probably going to take the bike path. And I've developed this theory that anytime you pass something going twice as fast as they are going, there's a chance you're going to upset them. But if you're going Mm. three times the speed that you're that, you know, you're someone else is going when you pass them, then there's a pretty high likelihood that you're going to piss them off. And if you're going four times their mm-hmm. speed, you're guaranteed. Just the math says you're just guaranteed to piss somebody off. So if they're walking hmm. three miles an hour, you know, it's like. Which is a decent clip, honestly. Yeah, yeah. A four mile per hour walk is really quick. And, yeah, you is. know, if I'm going four mile, four times as fast as they are, it's like, and that's not all that fast. Um, you know, of course, yeah, if you're if you're 40 feet away when you pass them, you know, uh, off in the grass, off to the side, they won't even notice you. <laughs> if you pass with six feet, it's probably going to go okay. If you pass with two feet, they're going to scream at you. And yeah, oh for sure. You know, at a certain level, I kind of understand it. So mm-hmm. you know, the I think the first thing is to to understand it. we have the ability to guaranteed upset somebody. You know, go fifteen miles an hour, pass with one foot, they're going to want to shoot you. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> right. So right. when I'm when I'm approaching people from behind, yeah, I come, I call out. Um, if I'm on a mountain bike, I've got a bell. 
Um, I don't have bells on my bells road bikes. Bells are better. Yep. Yep. I think I think on your left always sounds douchey no matter what you say. I, I, I Yeah. I just never think I, I think it's hard to say on your left without it coming across as kind of like jackassy. I don't know. Well, that's why I try to include Are you gonna it. say that that's what I say? <laughs> well here's the thing. I try to include it as part of a larger phrase. Hi there, bicycle coming on your left. And gotcha. if I just shout on your left, you know, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, totally douchey. Or they jump left. Right. Well, yeah. And then there's the fact that some people just don't understand left from right or, you know, I, I don't right. know, math, uh, directions, <laughs> geometry. I, you know, I can't speak to that. Um, one of the things I do when people like immediately run for the grass uh, I try to soften the situation by by kind of laughing and saying, oh, I'm not that fat anymore um, and <laughs> and make a joke of the situation. It's like, no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, anytime yeah, I, I see I people, you know, just heading for the dirt, um, I want to reassure them that, you know, hey, I'm I'm not a jerk. You don't have to take such extreme measures. We're all good. I, I really try to make it as friendly and uh, unconfrontational. And leave them with the impression that they are not, that I don't see them as some uh, impedance to my own good time. Yep. And, yep. and I, yeah, no, I do the same. And I want to be respectful of, of them and the fact that they're having a nice recreational time. If they have a dog and the dog's not 60 feet away with a clothesline between me and them, uh, then I say hi to doggy. Um, if they do have the clothesline, I just come to a stop and I wait for them to reel the dog in. I'm not going to ride yep. 40 feet out of my way to get around the dog. And I want them to be aware without me complaining, you know, without me being uh, douchey, I want them to get the impression that, you know, Hey, you, you got a dog 60 feet away from you. That's not really conducive to anyone else having a good time. Um, right. You know, but. I ride, I ride with somebody who makes a point of saying that every time we come across someone with a dog that's on, which I, I, I don't think is an awesome answer either. Yeah. But hey, that's what leash laws are for, huh? Hey, that's a, a probably, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I've, okay. I've never said anything like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are times, you know, I've been places where like dogs aren't even allowed and the dog's not on the leash. Uh, and it's like, right. you know, there's not supposed to be dogs here. So maybe you could at least do the leash. Um, you know, uh, but when I get off road and I'm dealing with hikers, you know, my, my free hub, the clacking of the free hub has frightened people badly enough that they've jumped. And I could tell by the nature of the jump, they were thinking rattlesnake. Oh boy. Yeah. Cause I, I find that my, when I ride the bike with the free hub, that's actually a really nice, because people kind of hear it coming. And they're not sure. They don't think bicycle may be right mm-hmm. away. They don't think rattlesnake. Um, sure. That would be a problem. But that that actually has been, that's actually a nice way to alert them, I have found. It's just like coast and let them hear the click, 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 click. Yep. But yeah, rattlesnake would not be as nice a way to let them know that you're on their, on your way. Yeah, well, the Northern Pacific rattlesnake being something of an occupational hazard to folks like us here, it's a little bit of a problem. But yeah, no doubt. Yeah, a long, uh, a loud uh, free hub can be a pretty nice way to alert people. But, you know, if they've got earbuds in, I one time was at a ski area, uh, Deer Valley, 
and was on a climb, came up behind a, a runner, and we're in a forested section. There's trees right and left of me. There's no getting around her. And for five minutes, I was yelling to her, hey, right her back. Hi, hi. Uh, can I get by you? Hi. At one point, I'm finally just yelling, just yelling. Still couldn't it's hear unbelievable. me. Finally, we get to uh, one of the ski runs. We're in between sections of forest. We get to one of the ski runs. I charge up into the grass. I'm killing myself to do five miles an hour to get around her. And as I pass her, she screams like I'm going <laughs> to, you know, like like sexual assault, like I'm some some something or other criminal coming after her. And I turned and I looked at her. I was like, I've been calling to you for five minutes. What, what, you know, what is, what do, you know, what am I supposed to do? I got to pass you. How loud is that? I, we were, we were riding behind somebody. Where was that? It was in South Carolina. It was at a friend's house. There were three of us. It was Dave and I and a friend of ours. And there was this guy, it was funny because he was running, he was running barefoot. And um, we were on trails. We were on mountain bikes and all three of us. Yelling like we're we're behind him on trails, making tons of noise, mm -hmm. yelling, yelling. Hey, w my buddy Chris is almost touching his calves with his wheel, like he's almost buzzing him, like with his front tire. We were behind. It, it, we were. It was comical. So finally, when the when the got wide enough, he actually rode up next to him and like poked him. <laughs> and the guy's like, Whoa. he's like, dude. We've been yelling like how and I'm just like, how loud? I mean, I've I've run with music, but my God, like, I can't imagine how loud you have. Yeah, it's just I would feel so unsafe. I would feel like, yeah, I, I would feel I mean, besides annoying, I would feel so unsafe not being that oblivious to my surroundings. <laughs> I can't yep. even yep. process it. Well, I mean, I actually have tinnitus. I played in rock and roll bands. OK, so I've got all the hearing damage I need for a lifetime. Uh, maybe someone else's <laughs> lifetime as well. And so, yeah, the thought of like utterly obliterating all other sound input with my music. No, no, that's a big fat sack of not going to do it. Yeah. You know, wow. and, and yeah, out of out of consideration for others and self-preservation. I mean, think about all the things that can go wrong on a bike where you might want to have a little sound input. Okay, runners, yeah, they don't they don't have free hubs and <laughs> quick releases and things like that. I know, but you still, I, I, uh, I don't know. One, I'm a one earbud girl. If I do listen, I, I just like to have our ears open. I just like to, a, I like this ambient sound, and b, I just yeah, a little a little awareness of your surroundings is a wonderful thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So it's you know it's tough. I you know back to your original dilemma. I. Yeah, I want to be polite to people. I want, you know, part of my goal is always to demonstrate that, you know, just because I'm on a bike, I'm not a jerk. Right. That we can right. coexist. Well, wait till e-bikes become more popular on these things. Yeah. I, I think about that a lot because, I mean, it, you're going to be going fast no matter what. Yeah. Right. I mean, people are going to just going to be and you're going to have people that that are new to it going fast. Yeah. But it's going to be, be an interesting transition. Yeah. Yeah. I keep trying to remind people who don't like e-bikes or don't like cyclists or whatever that, you know, it's just like drivers on the road. You know, the a-hole is on the saddle, not in the bike. You know, it, this is no. this is not <laughs> yes. this is not right. particular to the machine. 
You know, it's the same it's a human being. It's the human being. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Ferrari didn't make an asshole. Uh, Ferrari made an amazing <laughs> car. It just happens to get bought by a lot of moving right along. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. That, that pull has taken us down, down another road. So um, with that, I, I might pull off and let you take your pull. Okay. Well, in a certain sort of way, I've got, uh, I don't want to call it a dilemma, but a question that this past weekend has brought front and center. I've had, I've had friends invite me to go do Leadville any number of times. And I just think about the Mm -hmm. elevation. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I've done, it seems like every time I go to some sort of big product launch, especially if it's an event like uh, press camp or crank tank, which I went to earlier this summer, they always happen to ski areas. And they can't yep. pick a ski area like Killington, which is more or less at at sea level. At sea level. Right. Can't do that. No, we got to go to, you know, Sun Valley or Park City or... Snowbird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At, you know, I'm at least 7,000 feet up, you know, and suddenly yep. reduced to a good effort's 100 watts. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I, I would not have considered doing the Copper Triangle this weekend had it not been that I was invited by a friend, you know, I, so I flew into Denver, uh, drove up into the mountains and, you know, Copper Triangle, what I found when I was there talking to, you know, Denver locals, uh, this is, it's a big deal for front range riders, much the way the Solvang Century is for riders in Southern California or the wine country is, uh, wine country century is for riders in Northern California. This is kind of a... You're making me want to do this. Well, it was pretty amazing, you know, but it's one of those kind of annual uh, pilgrimages. It's like, hey, you know, it's early August, time to do this thing. Mm -hmm. But, and here's the thing, it starts at 9,750 feet of elevation. Totally Leadville territory. That's very high. Yeah. I got out of my car to check in for my lodgings and I could tell my heart rate was elevated because the way my head was pounding. Right. (laughs) The high point of the ride is over 11,000 feet, Fremont Pass. And at Mm -hmm. that altitude, I can generate pretty much, you know, 50 watts. Not much more. My, I could tell that my LT at 11,000 feet was about 131 beats per minute. I didn't, wow. I didn't have a wattage meter, so I couldn't tell you that, but I could tell you from heart rate. Yeah, my LT, yeah. about 131. Yeah. <laughs> there was just nothing wow. there. Wow. You know, yeah. I, luckily, I never felt nauseated, but I was constantly winded, you know, and my head did throb pretty much any time I got to the top of a pass, you know, and that happened three times on that road, on that <laughs> ride. There was uh, Fremont Pass at 11,000 feet. Then there was uh, Tennessee Pass and the Continental Divide. That was close to 10, I want to say. And then there was Vail Pass. Um, And yeah, you know, I kind of stagger when I get off the bike. Had I not been invited by an old friend to join him for the ride, and he charged off with the word go. Oh my gosh, that was hilarious. (laughs) But otherwise, I'd never have elected to go. Uh, So the relationship truly is what got me there. And you know, now the ride itself, Celine, holy cow, this thing was as beautiful as anything I have 
ever done in my life. There were wow. above tree wow. line peaks. There were glacial ponds. There were retreating snow fields, old mining operations. There was one place that was practically a ghost town. You know, windblown chaparral, the rustling of aspen groves, and these descents that carved such lazy arcs, I rarely ever touched my brakes. I love that. You know, I love those. Yeah, guys. they just yeah. they make you feel like a god. Um, you know, we got rained on a tiny bit near the top of Vale Pass, but my experience with the Rockies is that's just one of those things that is a requisite part of the Rocky Mountain experience. I'm okay with it. Because you're going through a cloud, Patrick. <laughs> it wasn't rain. You were actually just riding through a cloud. <laughs> well, okay, maybe so. Uh, you know, but mountains make weather. You know, that's yes, exactly. You got to accept that, and I, and they're high. Yeah, yep. yeah. I got to the finish, and I felt less a sense of accomplishment than a sense of gratitude that I'd done the ride. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't. I mean, 80 miles, 6,000 feet of climbing. I could knock that out no problem at sea level. At that altitude, it was hard, but I wasn't there to like prove something. The thing that it proved was, dude, you should get out more often. And it got me to thinking about what you said in a recent episode about how you try to do something new, something different each year, maybe even several somethings different Mm -hmm. each year. And it made me wonder about how I go about selecting the events that I do. So I want to hear from you about how you select stuff. What do you look for? And maybe more helpful to me, who knows about the audience, but how do you choose what you avoid? I wonder if I'm avoiding too much. I I actually don't uh, avoid anything. <laughs> which, <laughs> that fits. Which, okay, that knowing you, yeah. that fits. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's, and it's to my, it's not, that's, that sounds such like a, such a heroic statement, but it's not, it's, it's, my friends kid me that I have, um, a memory of a goldfish. So it's like, look, Selena Castle, like, look, a castle. So I, I honestly, even if I'm like having, if I'm somewhere and I'm miserable, I forget, I forget like all the bad parts. And if something were to come up in, you know, some region again where I don't know, I did have a bad time, I would have totally just forget it and I'd go back. Like, that's just, it seems to be part of my DNA for better or for worse, probably. So why don't you have six kids? Um, (laughs) That's, believe me, there might be an exception to that, to that law. Um, Yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll let that one, we'll let that, I'm moving my selective deafness ears. Yes. (laughs) And we're gonna we're gonna shepherd it forward. Um, seriously, I, um, I, I I more look for stuff that um, that I, that intrigues me that involves something that I that I haven't done or experienced before, and that's that's it's hard to find. But you know, the ride across Michigan is a very easy classic example. I'd never done anything like that. That was a no brainer. That was a no brainer. Uh-huh. I'm gonna start at one side of the state at the lake and go across and go to the other, like. Um, you know, but there's tons of events like what you're saying. I'm really now my you've piqued my interest about this because I've done Leadville. Um, I haven't done I haven't done a road ride out there, mm-hmm. you know, so that sounds that sounds super appealing. I'm not I'm not usually knock on wood. I'm not usually too bad with altitude. Um, you know, there, there's some stuff that that is not super appealing to me. I don't I, I might be less inclined to do something that's very flat for a very long time. 
You know, I did a double century in Florida that just about cured me of riding bikes because, (laughs) I mean, because Florida, it was well, because Florida, because it was so I mean, it's it was like I didn't appreciate how uncomfortable I would be not getting up and climbing for that for hours. You know, I mean, it was just. I had never experienced anything like that. So I, you know, I might, that might stick in, that's might not be like, Oh, look a castle. That might be like, Oh, I'm not doing that again. You know, I mean, it might be more like, um, but yeah, you know, like there's been some really, it's opened my mind. I, I mean, like, I'm sure that you have friends like this friend that invited you to that. I I hear about all kinds of stuff, right? Like, oh, you need to come out and do X, Y, and Z. And like, oh, and it's usually um, maybe because of what all the dumb stuff I do. They usually invite me to do the dumbest stuff they can think of. Like, oh, my God, we're going to go out for, you know, 1,200 miles and whatever and blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, "Mm," you know, like, do I have to carry all my own stuff? Nah, no thanks. Like, I, I do have some parameters. Like, I don't like to carry all my own stuff. I'm a little... I'm not a prima donna, but I also I'm not a Sherpa either. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just like I like things that just take me somewhere that I haven't been before, either uh, mentally or physically. Like I, I don't know if did I ever tell you about the one we did in Pisgah last year? That was uh, go for it. It was an adventure style. It was an adventure style race. Uh-huh. Like this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like so. It's in Pisgah in North Carolina, which are pretty rugged mountain bike trails. Yep. And um, it, it's, it's an adventure style race in that there are like five checkpoints that you have to get to on your mountain bikes. It's teams of two, five checkpoints. And you don't know anything about it until the morning of the event when you get this passport that tells you the rules of the game. And you have like, you know, until I can't remember what the time limit is, maybe 12 hours to finish it. But it was it. The thing is bananas. So you have a map, and you have this passport, and it's got these checkpoints, and you have to figure out the best way to get to them. And I think you needed to have three to be a finisher. Um, four, you got like some bonus for four, and if you got five, you had a two-hour time bonus. You know, it was like that kind of thing. Mm. But it sent us. We we did this one. Like we were on this trail that had nineteen stream crossings, like bike overhead walking through river stream crossings like that. It was that level of insanity, but it was super fun. Like I would, I would totally do something like that again because I have never done anything like that. Wow. So yeah. How much of that did you ride versus hike or run? Um, we messed up catastrophically at the end of it and, um, ended up hiking a very long time and got um, we got lost enough that I kept saying, okay, I promised my daughter I was going to come home. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, and, wow, Dave is really good with maps, but we, we just took, there was a pilot rock trail and there was just like a pilot something else and we took the wrong pilot. Oh. And we ended up, um, we would have, to answer your question, we would have ridden most of it, except we were on this wrong trail that we ended up hiking uh, it might, it might've been an hour. It was really long. Um, and ended up on the Blue Ridge Parkway. So we had to DNF the whole thing because oh. you can't take roads. Oh. I know, I know. Um, but that, it, there was, at that point there was, there was no option, but it was, uh, it was so crazy. And our friends that we went down with opted, we were just trying to get four checkpoints. They went for the five and, uh, that he had lost my friend, uh, elk, they call him got washed away in the river as he was carrying his bike across it and he didn't know it but he lost his lights 
So we had to swim. He got his bike. They finished. They got this last checkpoint, which was at the top of the world. And all they had to do was ride back down the mountain. And he didn't realize that he had no lights. So it was a giant, just like he crashed. I don't know how many times he landed on his face. I mean, thank God he's okay. But they got in at 10-10. So they, they didn't finish. It was a DNF. They were 10 minutes past the... Uh... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's one of those things, like, everybody does it, and there's tons of stories that come out of it always. And uh, so, yeah, like, that kind, of, like that, that kind of stuff is increasingly appealing to me because... Because I'm, I'm kind of like, I've done so much of the race, 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 race and cross country races. Like, I need another challenge than just like, I need to be the fastest person out there. Right. I think, I think I'm, I'm avoiding a little bit that more these days mm-hmm. and more like the, like something that challenged me in another way. I mean, I still like competition, but I'm just like looking for it in other ways, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, ways to dial it in other directions to keep it fresh and not overbearing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yep, I get that. I totally But do. yeah, I think getting out more is good, Patrick. I think you... Uh, D2 R2 is this weekend if you'd like to come out for a reprise. <laughs> I, I think they might string me up on my bib shorts. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, well, you know, hopefully for those who are going, it's better organized than when I was there. It will never be. We'll be lost always. But <laughs> well, getting lost is, you know, that's kind of part and parcel of events like that. But, uh, you know, I'd like to know that they have uh, sweeps so that they can find people who have crashed, things like that. Right. I'm, right. I'm, I'm funny that Fair way. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what did what did, uh, what did Richard call it? Like the worst ride he does every year? The worst? I can't remember <laughs> I what think it was. Yeah. I think he calls it the worst like ride that. he does every year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But he goes back. I mean, that's how good the course is. That's how good that riding is out there. It's really beautiful. It's super beautiful. Yeah. It, it, the, whole, the terrain is super beautiful. I, it's a yeah. slice of the world I do miss. Man. Yeah. Special place. Well, cool. what do you say? Paceline picks. I am game for the picks. All right. Would you like me to start? Yeah. I have. It's, it's, um, it's something that I, I honestly, it's funny as I'm saying this, I never, ever thought that I would be like recommending this kind of thing because i mean i have not worn a fanny pack since <laughs> 1994 maybe <laughs> like when that fanny packs were a thing uh-huh. um but my pick is a dekine hot lap hot laps waist bag not which hot is what they call it okay hot laps no right. not, not hot laps like you know you're gonna go out and do a hot lap of whatever <laughs> yep. um i have become a huge fan of the new line of bike packs which no one calls them a fanny pack or a bum bag or, you know, anything that you might call it. They, they call them lumbar packs, waist packs, hip packs, pretty much anything with fanny pack. But I love this thing. It's got plenty of room inside for my food, for my tools. It's got a few organizational pockets, you know, to keep things separated. It's got a little side water bottle pouch so you can slip a bottle in there if you need extra fluids. Yep. Totally breathable. I hate things over my shoulders. I hate I just have never, all the racing I've done, I just could never get used to wearing a pack, like a classic backpack style. I, I, I do it when I have to, but man, I really don't like it. So mm. it's it's nice. I when I just put this on, I clip it around my waist. I have my adventures. I don't know what's there. I find it's the perfect size for mountain bike or gravel outings where you want to carry just like a little extra stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I also like it for short rides where I don't necessarily want to put on bike clothes. 
right? So I can just wear a tech tee or a tank top, and I don't have to worry about not having back pockets. I just put this thing on, and I can carry my stuff, right? So um, it's amazing how often I find myself reaching for this this thing anymore. It's just become one of my go-to bike accessories. I just really love it. Um, it's 40 bucks, versatile, durable. I sew patches on it, so I look like some Girl Scout out there. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's, that's, that's my, that is my pick of the week because I, I, I'm going to slap it on after we're done here and go for a ride. Very cool. Uh, I've actually got one of those to give a try to. Um, I still, I, I look at them and I see fanny pack. Um, well, absolutely. But you got, you got to just own it. You just got to be like, that's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm wearing the fanny pack now. I, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't gotten to that same place, but I'm, you know, I'm open to it happening, but I've got plenty of other friends who, yeah, have really adopted them and love them. I don't have the same opposition to shoulder straps. Um, and I'm a little sensitive to things that like are too snug around my belly. Um, for mm-hmm. restricting my breathing. So I haven't quite gotten there, but I've got I've got some things I can try. We'll see if it happens for me. All right. Yeah. So What's your pick? My pick this week is Pearl Izumi's Boardwalk short, as in like the, the Monopoly landing spot. I wear a lot mm-hmm. of shorts that are less than baggy uh, or less baggy than traditional shorts, um, but, you know, are still made from polyester. Uh, I like stuff like this for running errands by bike. I don't tend to wear stuff like that too much when I'm actually mountain biking and certainly not when I'm road riding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the dividing point between the great shorts, uh, and the acceptable shorts and then the marginally useful shorts comes down to pockets for me. Hmm. So often the pockets are wrong. If I'm going to run errands by bike and, you know, I've got this e-cargo bike that really makes it wonderful to go out and run errands without the car. I almost always have three things with me. Okay. Wallet, phone, keys. I got to be able to lock the bike up. You know, you got to have your phone because modern life and I got to be able to pay for stuff. Right. Yep. Sometimes also I will have a little pair of folding glasses that fit in this tiny little case that will help me say, read a menu, or if I have to sign a legal document mm-hmm. and if the shorts don't have enough pockets to carry those things, then I'm not wearing them for the errands. The boardwalks have two front pockets as well as two rear pockets. One of which is Velcroed. It's got belt loops. If you roll that way and it's got some reflective pops It's got a gusseted crotch so that it keeps the shorts comfortable and gives me plenty of freedom of moment. They're also handy for like chasing my kids around. Um, And better yet, they've got a really relaxed, relaxed fit that leaves room for my big American caboose. And they're, (laughs) they're light enough that I've worn them for jumping into a lake or a hot tub. (laughs) <laughs> Do they have chamois built in? No, no. It's just a okay. short. So, so yeah. it's just running errands and stuff. Yeah, you could wear tidy whities yeah, yeah. under this, you know, or a <laughs> pair of bibs, you know, depending on. And, you know, I know that people get sensitive to dropping $200 on a pair of shorts. These things are really handy because they only run 80 bucks. That is a that is good. I thought you were going to tell me that they were two hundred, and then I was going to be like, hmm, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah no, 80, they're 80 not crazy expensive. And so you know, I look at them. It's like, man, these are the most functional shorts 
I currently have in my collection. Truly the most functional. Um, you know, it's a snap front, zippered fly. So everything about them is perfectly normal, except they're really lightweight. So they're very breathable and they're really comfortable. They don't restrict movement at all. And getting that cert- that complete constellation of features together in one pair of shorts that's not expensive, it's kind of a home run. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I I can recommend these wholeheartedly. Actually, actually when I don't I was- have anything like that. I wear my fanny pack. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. Anyway, Yep. I mean, that is the alternative, right? Yeah. Yep. I visited Pearl Izumi while I was out on my trip. I made a few manufacturer visits and I got to see their whole spring 19 line and meet some of the designers and see all the stuff they have in this new building that they built in Louisville. And that's cool. You know, there were a bunch of years there where Pearl Izumi you know, was just the shiz. Through most of the 1990s, Pearl Izumi was killing it. And then for most of the early 2000s, they were not even really injuring stuff, much less killing (laughs) anything. But now, you know, looking at this line, looking at the materials they're using, looking at the designs, the fit, this company is on top of it. They are completely killing it once again. This is the Pearl Izumi. I 100% agree. Yeah, this is the company I fell in love with in 1990. Um, they are my go-to in the winter. Like their amphib yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah. is my, I I love it. It's amphib for for people who, who may not know is I I think it's short for amphibian. I could be wrong, but <laughs> it's uh when it's damp cold that's going to go straight to your bones. It's got like a little barrier layer, so yeah. if it does like snow a little or spritz a little, it keeps you dry and warm. The stuff is. I, I have been very, very um, impressed with their stuff for the past couple of years, honestly. I think that they've been really, yeah, the past few years they've been on their game for sure. Yeah. And they're easy to recommend because their stuff's not crazy expensive like, you know, Rafa and Asos. I, I, as and much as I love that. It. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I love the stuff from, from those manufacturers, I know how often people just completely rebel against it. You know, maybe it's identity, yeah. maybe it's cost, maybe it's a, co- uh, a couple of those things. Right. Pearl... The stuff is killing and it's not crazy expensive. So I'm I'm super comfortable recommending this to, to listeners. Cool. Yeah. Very good. What are you up to this weekend? Well, I misspoke. D2R2 is actually next weekend. I was like, oh, am I doing oh. that already? No. So it's next weekend. I got a weekend in between to, to get out my maps and prepare. Um, <laughs> this this weekend is a little, a little bit of a lull in the summer schedule, which is nice. Uh, we're going to do some unpaved you know that ride out yeah. in uh central pa that that's coming up the same weekend as the as your um event yeah um so there's going to be some recon for that get some riding in catch up on a little bit of work and then and then summer gets pretty crazy i'm doing rebecca's private idaho stage race at the end of the month so oh. yeah trying to trying to get all my ducks together and you know get in some miles i'm you know i'm not that i don't have miles in but just trying to like really get myself in in shape and together for that event yeah yeah well my one longer event of the year is this coming weekend uh the mendocino grasshopper so we're going oh it's a grasshopper yeah we're we're going i thought they were done well uh, traditionally yeah king ridge is normally the last one that comes in may or june each year and normally we're all done at that point. It used to be that all the grasshoppers were in Sonoma County. It was a strictly Sonoma County phenomenon. But for the first time ever, there's going to be one up in Mendo. 
and it starts somewhere near Ukiah, as I recall. I've looked at the map, but not in a couple of weeks. Um, and then you ride to the coast, to Mendocino, and we camp out That's Saturday awesome. night, and then we ride back Sunday. So it's kind that of a stage amazing. race. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I I have yet to actually begin my wheel and tire selection. So that's a little bit of an how, issue. Uh, how long is each day? 80-ish miles. Okay, solid. That's solid. Yeah. Is the terrain like all the rest of them? I mean, do you just would you just run what you ran on the other ones? I, I think I ran a different bike every single time. <laughs> just pick one. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing tonight is figuring out what I'm taking. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. That sounds really cool. That sounds really cool. I'm I, really that's on my list. So when you're talking about events I haven't done, I've never done a single one. And I think that um, Stacy Sims always, when she was living out there, she's like, you've got to come out and do a grasshopper. So I she speaks like, truth. Yeah. Yeah. Allison Tetrick said the same. Like everybody I talked to is like, you've got to get out and, and do one of those. So I got to make that happen next year. I know a guy who can help. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah, a we'll couple. Work, we'll work on that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Alrighty, before we go, uh, I'd like to put in a plug for my other new podcast, The Pull. Uh, the show features artisans talking about their craft in one-on-one interviews. Uh, think Terry Gross for the bike set. This week's guest is part two of my two-part interview with Mark Danucci, builder of many great bikes, former en- engineer for Specialized. Finally, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Celine Yeager. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.